Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Drinks with Allie podcast, where we're talking everything from red, red wine to pina coladas. My name is Allie, and I'll be your host on this wonderful Wine Wednesday. Today is Wednesday, January 6th, and it's the first Wine Wednesday of the year. So today is going to be a follow-up on last week's episode, or sorry, listener question episode, about how do you know what you'll like and how to get started with wine. To start, let's recap last week's show. First point, find a buddy or two or three agree and agree to start tasting wines together. Then pick a budget and stick to it as far as what you're comfortable with spending on a bottle. Um, just in general, you don't have to go overboard or be too stuck on being in a lower price point. Doesn't really matter. Three, try stuff on the buy the glass list um, at a restaurant or whenever you're out. You can try new wines or styles without having to commit to a bottle. So if you find you really don't like it, uh, it's no big deal. You haven't shelled out for an entire bottle. You've only had one glass. Make friends with your local or sort of local wine or liquor store worker. They can start to point you in the right direction as far as an exploring wine drinker. And they'll get to know you and the styles that you like and your budget um, as you kind of go along. Number five, know that everyone starts out drinking white and sweet before they move into reds. And lastly, but definitely not leastly, have fun and take notes. Don't be afraid to start or to make mistakes. Never let anyone make you feel silly for not knowing something or for wanting to know more. Alrighty, so today we're going to cover a few more excellent, shall we call them starter varietals or styles, some basic and classic food and wine pairings, and some ways to improve or really to train yourself to taste a little bit better. By no means do you have to taste like an expert wine drinker or sommelier or an expert beard maker, but being able to tell if something tastes more like peaches or more like lemons will go a really long way in you being able to figure out what wines, whether it's a varietal or style, that you tend to like more. Shall we jump on in? Before we do, Remember that every expert was once a beginner and be willing to start your, by being willing to start, you're further ahead than anybody who hasn't started. So last week we started by finding a nice off-dry Pinot Grigio or Pinot Gris. Hopefully you all managed to find one and enjoy it. I personally did not, uh, not a big fan of Pinot Grigio and Pinot Gris can be a little hard to find out here. Uh, The next varietal that we're going to look for is Sauvignon Blanc. Okay, so Sauvignon Blanc is definitely drier than Pinot Gris or Pinot Grigio, but don't let that intimidate you. It's an approachable varietal that's great with food. Now, like most varietals, Sauvignon Blanc is grown in most wine-growing regions in the New World, so that's everything basically outside of Europe. Maybe next week we'll talk New World versus Old World. And... It also grows in some of the old world regions as well. So most famously, we'll know Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand, uh, where it tends to express more flavors that include things like lime or gooseberry or pea shoots, ripe pears. Um, The vast majority of these Sauvignon Blancs come from the Marlborough region um, in New Zealand. 
These Sauvignon Blancs tend to be a little higher in acid, making them great for pairing with white meat, so chicken or pork, uh, with fish and goat's milk-based cheeses, because uh, they're a little, those kind of cheeses are creamier and the acid tends to cut through that. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later on. Now from France, uh, there's Sauvignon Blancs that grow in both the Loire Valley and in Bordeaux. So that's two different regions in France. From Bordeaux, we get wines that are more peach, honeysuckle, and lemongrass driven. Uh, in Bordeaux, it's more common for these wines to have some barrel aging and what we call lees contact. Lees are the spent yeast cells uh, that are in the wine after they've been processed. And they go in to whether the wine is staying in a stainless steel fermenter, if they're in a concrete fermenter, or if they're going into barrel, they're usually left behind in there. And you get a, um, a rounder, richer mouthfeel and taste to them. Top tier white Bordeaux, though, can fetch as much as $1,000 a bottle. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but yikes. Okay, that's a little steep for me at this point in the game. Um, but I have found one bottle under $40 that I personally will be drinking this week. From the Loire Valley, there's a whole bunch of different subregions within the Loire, but the most recognizable subregion would be Sancerre. Um, so that's spelt S-A-N-C-E-R-R-E. So Sancerres tend to take a little bit of influence from both of the regions. So Tasting-wise, they taste similar to New Zealand Savlancs in that they carry a lot of lime and gooseberry notes. They do also carry some flinty notes, but they tend to be a little bit weightier or more full-bodied like the Bordelais wines. So it kind of bridges that gap between the two. Um, they do tend to be a little bit of a step up in price point from the New, Ze New Zealand Savlancs, but they aren't quite as expensive as a white Bordeaux. Um, Bordeaux and Burgundy are obviously the two most recognizable French wine regions, and they tend to be the most expensive other than um, Cote Roti for French wines. So that can be a bit of a, an impediment when you're looking at a white Bordeaux um, or even a white Burgundy. Alrighty. Another great option for lighter whites that aren't as sweet would be Vino Verde, so that's spelt V-I-N-H-O-V-E-R-D-E -E from Portugal. Um, so these guys are lower in alcohol, they're slightly carbonated, so they have a little bit of a fizz to them, and they tend to be found to be a little bit acidic, but I personally um, find them to have a little bit of sweetness as well, like they have a little bit of residual sugar to them, um, which gives them a better balance and they're great with fish sushi salads fish tacos so nice light and bright kind of foods which I know is not really what everybody's eating at this time of year with all this snow and the gloom but if we're all going back into lockdowns why not have a fish taco night at home and pick up a great bottle of vino verde so for flavor profile you're going to get lemonade melons, grapefruit, and our old friend gooseberry all in there. Uh, these 
wines tend to be kind of a green color um, instead of being clear or yellow. And that is just from the grapes themselves. Um, it's Vino Verde is a blend of six different grape varietals from Portugal. Um, I won't go into them all. Some of them are quite hard to say. But Vino Verde is a good one to look for on the label. So now that we have a few different bottles to choose from, let's talk about some quote-unquote classic or traditional wine pairings. Now these are a great baseline place of places to start when you're looking to get into wine. Um, I think that wine is really great when it's added to food or when food is added with wine and it makes it a lot easier to kind of start to know what you do and don't like based on what you are eating as well. Okay, so, but remember, these aren't really hard and fast rules. Remember that whatever you think tastes good together, tastes good together. We have, whether it's myself and you, you and a friend, doesn't matter who, we have all had different experiences in our lives and that makes for different tastings and tasting preferences and we will physically taste things differently because of that. But here are the basics and kind of like the classic things that we always look for. The best place to start is white wines with white things. So fish, cream pasta, cream sauce pastas, salads, chicken, turkey, all those kinds of things, and red wines with red things. So red meats, um, think steak, pork kind of is on both sides of that fence, um, meaty pastas, meatier fishes. From there, we want to keep in mind balance. So things should either be similar or opposite. Um, so if something is spicy, the wine can either be a little bit sweet, say an off-dry Riesling or a Gewürztraminer, or something that's a little bit spicy. Maybe a Zinfandel or a spicy Syrah would both do really well as a pairing with a spicy food. It's going to depend, though, on your personal preference. Uh, personally, I like a little bit sweet with my spicy food, but that's just my own personal palate. You might like something that's a little bit spicy. By the same idea, creamy dishes, so cream sauce pastas, creamy cheeses, can either be complemented by a creamy tasting wine, so a rich Chardonnay with some barrel aging springs to mind here, especially like California Chardonnays, they tend to be really oaky and creamy and buttery. Or it can be contrasted by something with a higher acid level, say a dry Riesling or even that Sauvignon Blanc like we talked about earlier. Uh, or even some sparkling wine. Sparkling wine is a great one if you're not really sure what you want to pair. Um, they tend to kind of cover the full gamut from white wine to red wine or white meat to red meat, cream to not so creamy, spicy to sweet. Um, sparkling wines can kind of co cover everything. Um, the reason for that is the bubbles cut through everything that you're tasting, whether it's creaminess or bitterness or sourness or spiciness. Now, if we're talking red meat, the general rule is the fuller the meat, so think steak versus pork, the fuller in body we usually pick for our wines. So think Cabernet Sauvignon 
or Syrah, and its second name, Shiraz. Yep, that's right. You caught that one. Syrah and Shiraz. So Syrah is spelled S-Y-A-A-H, and Shiraz, S-H-I-R-A-Z, are the same grape. Genetically the exact same. They just come from different places in the world. Um, And stylistically, they tend to be a little different too. And then another varietal you can look for is called Tanat, T-A-N-N-A-T. So they're really great with steak or big game, so venison or elk. And then for lighter wines, like Gamay Noir, like we talked about the other week, Pinot Noir or Valpolicella, pairings with these would be things more like pork, meteor fishes, things like salmon, um, red sauce pastas, um, things that are kind of similar in line. Now, my personal favorite rule when it comes to wine and food pairing is what grows together goes together. So for example, here in Nova Scotia, we have a white blend by the name of Tidal Bay. Almost all of our wineries make it. Um, And you know what's really awesome with it? Seafood. Yep. Lobster, scallops, whitefish, all things that grow along our coastline, right where our wines grow. Or take lasagna. Lasagna can come from two different regions in Italy, depending on who you ask. It can come from Campania, which is known for its Alianico, spelled A-G-L-I-A-N-I-C-O, reds, which are full of pepper notes, red fruit, and cured meat notes. Or Emilia Romagna, with its slightly sweet and effervescent Lombruscos. So because they grow in the same place where they're coming from, they're going to have similar profiles. And let's face it, especially in the old world, they've been doing it for thousands of years. Their local wine and food are going to go together. They just are. Because, well, when you've been doing it for thousands of years, it's kind of hard to go wrong at this point. Now, to develop a better recollection of what you like or don't like and what you're tasting, the very first step is to take notes. We're going to reiterate that one again. Take notes, just like I told you last week. Even if it's just the name, a thumbs up or a thumbs down, and a couple of descriptors. Think jam, red fruit, pepper, smoke, limes, citrus, whatever it is, whatever you're thinking when you're tasting and smelling it. Just write it down. As you drink or taste more and more things, you'll develop a vocabulary of what things are. The next thing is to really taste your foods and wines when you have them. For example, have you ever noticed the difference between an unripe, a ripe, and an overripe peach? Because there's a very subtle difference between those flavors, but the more you stop and notice them, the more, well, the more you'll notice them. So then you'll develop kind of this sense of, oh, this smells like a ripe peach versus an overripe peach. When we were in school, we actually, as a homework assignment, used to have to walk around grocery stores smelling produce to smell the differences between them. I don't highly recommend this. You get a lot of really weird looks when you do it. But if you're at home, uh, have at her. Pick up an orange, close your eyes and smell it and say orange and just kind of commit that smell to your memory bank. We also tasted anything and everything that could influence a wine from different fruits to different kinds of bread. 
And heck, I and many other wine professionals that I know have even licked different kinds of rocks since limestone tastes different than shale. Again, super nerdy, kind of obscure, might make people think you're a little bit nuts. So take that one with like a grain of salt there, guys. But have fun and try different things. Try different combinations of food and wines. You just never know. You might find the next great wine and food pairing. Uh, It's all about personal experience and it's all about doing what you want to do and not what somebody tells you you have to do. So be a little bit adventurous. If you see a bottle that looks really cool and you like the label, pick it up. If you notice that you really, really, really enjoy wines from the Piedmont region in Italy, drink them. No one should be telling you that it is or isn't the right place for you to start. So with that, we'll wrap up today's show. If you have a question, comment, concern, a show idea, feel free to drop me an email at drinkswithally at gmail.com. So D-R-I-N-K-S-W-I-T-H-A-L-I at gmail.com. You can also leave me a comment on the podcast post on the website or fill in the contact form at the website as well. So drinkswithally.com, D-R-I-N-K-S-W-I-T-H-A-L-I.com. Um, you can catch me on all the social medias from Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, MeWe. Yep, that's right. The MeWe group is up there. It's there. You can find it now. Um, and don't forget, we do have those Spotify playlists going out every week. So with that, guys, have a great week. Fill your glass with something tasty. Cheers, everyone.